Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Aren't you glad that we have a friend like that? We have a friend, his name is Jesus. And he loves every single one of us, and we are thrilled to be together this morning to worship and to lift our hearts in praise to one person, and that is the audience of one, Jesus himself in heaven. What a wonderful time of worship and praise. So glad to have all of you here this morning. We welcome those of you online as well, but praising God for a beautiful day to come together to worship and to honor King Jesus. I'm also happy to announce that Carol Hazen has agreed to be our point person for worship for these next number of months. And uh, we are so thankful for her willingness uh, to step in and to lead our congregation in worship. She's gonna be collaborating with her other worship leaders, uh, Jason Berkey at Uh, Valpo and Will Abercrombie at the LaPorte campus as well as uh, Dan Callen in Sacred Ground. So Carol has pulled so many things together this week and we are so grateful and so thankful for her willingness to lift us in worship and in praise to our great God and Savior. Also I want to encourage you to make sure you stop by the Backpacks Because booth. Uh, We've been talking for a number of months about taking the gospel into the community. It's not about what happens here, it's what happens outside these doors. And Backpacks Because, last year we had a fabulous response and touched many, many families with the gospel of Christ through this uh, provision of a backpack for school. And So if you haven't stopped by that booth, I want to encourage you to do so as well. And let's do everything we can to get the gospel out. It's not uh, what happens here as much as what's happening out there. How did you like that kid video this morning? Wasn't that fabulous? I mean, that was, that that VBS was outstanding. And uh, again, you realize that 50% of the kids that were there don't come to church. 50%. So this, again, was a tremendous outreach into the community. And so we're looking for ways in which we continue to take the gospel outside the walls to touch and to penetrate the community with the love of Jesus. So you'll be praying. And when you see Nora and Jen and some of these folks, we had 100 volunteers that were here all week and just invested in these kids. And kids' lives were changed. Seeds were sown. God was doing some great things. So we have so much to praise the Lord for, and I hope that our hearts will continue to rejoice in Him. Also, I want you to be praying for this weekend. This weekend, there is going to be an on-site interview with one of our candidates, and the search team and the elders and the senior leadership team will be meeting this individual. I want you to be praying. You know, I still have my my wristband on. I know some of you have, uh, you've lost it or you've broken it or whatever. I had a gentleman tell me last week that he couldn't get it around his wrist, so he put it on his, his gear shift in the car. 
And every time he changes gears, he's reminded to pray about the, the pastoral search process. So we want to encourage you to let's keep on praying, keep on trusting the Lord. These next days are so critical, and we invite you to join with us in prayer that God would lead uh, this weekend in a very uh, personal and powerful way for his glory. Now, this morning we want to pick it up where we left it off last week in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, and we're going to look at this entire chapter. Um, we will probably just read a couple of verses here this morning, but would you please stand? And I think we'll read verses 1 through uh, verse 2, okay? 1 and 2 of Jonah chapter 2. There are Bibles now in your hymnal, in your hymnal racks. Uh, you can watch the words up here on the screen as well, but uh, you follow along as I read. Then Jonah prayed. You may want to underscore those three words. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. It's very interesting. Jonah has gone through three specific crisis points, and finally, for the first time in chapter 2, he calls out to the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do love you and thank you for the privilege we have to study your word this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to your truth. Help us, Lord Jesus, to turn to you quickly when we face situations in life that we have no answers. Help us, Lord Jesus, to learn from the way in which Jonah fumbled the ball to the point where he picked it up and began doing your will, your way. Thank you for your presence with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Crisis points can either make us or they can break us. All of us here today have something in common. We face crisis events, situations over which we have no control, situations that sometimes are very devastating. Oftentimes, crisis points come to us when we least expect them. They come out of the blue. We're not ready for them. And sometimes they keep coming at us and coming at us and coming at us like boxcars on a fast-moving freight train. Have you ever tried to count the number of boxcars on a freight train when it's going past you and you start out and you begin to count midway through, you lose track? That's the way it is many times with the crises in life. They come at us, and they come at us with such speed that many times we're not prepared to handle them. Sometimes crisis points can be exhilarating. Uh, we can get excited and we can begin to move in new directions and we can experience new blessings because the crisis has moved us in a positive direction to seek after God or to do what he's asked us to do. On the other hand, sometimes crisis points can also be debilitating even to the point that they get us down and discouraged and sometimes defeated. And so today we want to take a look at a man who 
went through a number of crisis points before he actually grasped the important truth that God is in control. My friends, crisis points are part of the fabric of everyday living. If you're a human being, you're going to experience a crisis point. Uh, I've experienced many of them in my life, and I'm sure that many of you have experienced them in the past. Some of you may even be experiencing a crisis point at this very moment. You'll remember the last week we discovered that Jonah is on the run. He's been given a mandate from God that he's to go to Nineveh and preach against the evil in that city. And because of the fact that, that uh, Nineveh was part of the Assyrian Empire, which had ravaged Israel and destroyed much of Israel and Judah, why Jonah decides to take matters in his own hands, and instead of doing what God says, instead of going to Nineveh, <clears throat> he boards a ship and he goes in the exact opposite direction toward Tarshish. <clears throat> Excuse me. That would be like boarding a plane in Los Angeles for Frankfurt, Germany by way of Honolulu. That's basically what happened. He just decided to take matters into his own hands and he's not going to do what God asks him to do. He's going to do what he wants to do. And you remember that he goes down into the bow of the ship and he falls fast asleep. He thinks he has gotten away with it. He thinks he has outsmarted God. He thinks he knows better than God. And then he experiences his first crisis point, and that is the captain's wake-up call. The captain's wake-up call in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 6. He's down there asleep. Verse 6 says, The captain came, said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, you would have thought after that kind of a wake-up call that Jonah would at least have cried out to God, give me wisdom, give me, give me a mercy in this uh, situation. Here this foreigner is asking him to cry out to the God that he's running away from. But it doesn't seem to faze Jonah at all. He doesn't pray. He goes to that first crisis point without a prayer on his lips. The whole point of chapter 1 is that God is in charge, God is in control, and Jonah hasn't figured that out yet. You come to the end of chapter 1, and Jonah is on his way down to what appears to be a watery grave, or crisis point number 2. And in this particular situation, he understands that he's the cause of what's happened. He actually admits that he's the culprit that has caused all of this a storm and the wind and waves and everything to come upon them. And uh, so here what happens is, is that he, for the first time, recognizes that uh, he needs to be dealt with. And so he experiences crisis point number two. He's thrown overboard. You'll remember here in chapter one, the, the sailors do everything they can to preserve life. They don't want to do this. But in verses 14 and 15, why with the prayer on their lips that Jonah's blood would not be uh, attributed to their hands, uh, they take him and they throw him overboard. And again, as Jonah is sinking beneath the waves, no indication that he's praying, no indication that he is seeking out for God. He's facing imminent death, and he still thinks that he is in control, that he doesn't need God. There's not a prayer on his lips as he sinks to the bottom of the Mediterranean. And then as the fish, uh, you know, imbibes Jonah 
and provides this place of safety for him, it's only when he's inside the belly of that great fish with all the slosh and all the weeds and all the stuff sloshing around him that we see in chapter 1 or chapter 2 and verse 1, then, notice, then Jonah prays to the Lord. Notice chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So it's only when he's in the belly and he starts to do what I'm calling belly praying. Have you ever done belly praying before? I mean, it's, it's when you are at the, the end of your rope. You're in deep trouble. You have no place else to go except to God. There's no other resource. The captain's wake-up call hasn't caused him to pray. The, fish, the fisherman, the mariner's throwing him overboard. That hasn't caused him to pray. It's only when he is in the belly of the fish sloshing around and all the digestive juices and all the stuff that a fish imbibes that he actually... Thanks. Hmm. I guess I better brush up on my prayer life. I guess I better call on God. I guess I better actually look to Him for some kind of guidance as I'm on my way running from Him. Why is it, my friends, that many times we are just like Jonah? The only time we really turn to God is when we've tried everything else. Many of us have that same idea that Jonah had. When everything else fails, try God. When everything else goes south, then let's try God. But instead of him being our first response, many times crises have to come one after another after another after another before we wake up and realize that we aren't in charge anymore that God is in charge and he is allowing these experiences in life to get our attention to help us to get back into the kind of a relationship where we are depending on God no longer on our human energies, our human resources, but we are trusting him. So many of us, and I include myself at this time, we miss the joy of daily communication with God. Do you realize what a privilege it is to talk to our Father every single day? To listen to his voice, to be quiet, to engage in conversation with the one who set our salvation in motion. God's the initiator of our salvation. He sends his son Jesus into the world to execute, to carry out the Father's plan by going to the cross and dying on the cross, then being resurrected. And it's the Holy Spirit that applies this incredible truth to our hearts. But it's so important for us to understand that, that what God wants from every single one of us is he wants us to acknowledge him as being in control. Our country desperately needs this, by the way. We think that we are in control, that we can call the shots. But let me remind you that God will always have the final say. God is the one who is in charge, and he is continuing to pursue after Jonah, even though Jonah has been running. And now Jonah finally calls out to him. Now let's take a look at this prayer that he prays inside the belly of that great fish. 
First of all, it is a prayer of restitution. Jonah prays to his God. He knows where the power comes from. At this point, he is helpless. He recognizes he needs outside intervention. Human resources, everything that he has tried has failed. And in contrast to the false gods the sailors had initially prayed to, you'll remember that Jonah encourages them that the Almighty God is the one to whom we pray. And by the end of chapter 1, even these seasoned mariners call out on the name of Jonah's God. So it's a prayer of restitution, and he, he cries out for God's mercy. What a change. Very interesting. He's been running away from God. Now inside the belly of that great face, he's running toward God. He's running toward the one that he's been trying to escape. He's been doing everything he can to do his own thing. Now, all of a sudden, he wakes up and he discovers that he's really not in control of his own destiny, that God is in control. And he's had to take some pretty big licks before he understands this. He's been awakened by that foreigner. He's been jostled out of his sleep. He's been thrown overboard. He's been in the deep. He's been enveloped by this great fish, and finally, he calls out to the true God. Notice verse 2, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Now, notice that he calls, and what does God do? He what? He answered. He what? He hears and he answers. Do we actually believe that, that when we call, God will answer? This is something that is so important. So many times I think we just kind of mumble prayers to God without any understanding that he actually hears, he listens, and he promises to respond to our prayers if we will but what? Call upon him. Why is it so hard for us to call upon God? Why are we so prone to always do things our way? Jonah calls to the Lord in the confidence, notice, that God hears him and answers him. Now, this prayer of restoration is a prayer of earnestness. Notice, it is out of my distress. I mean, Jonah is at a point of desperation. That word um, distress is a Hebrew word that also speaks about the travail of a woman giving birth to a child, the pain, the travail. He's in this kind of distress. He does not know which way to turn. He prays out to God in earnestness. And he prays that God would somehow intervene. Not only does he pray with earnestness, he, or excuse me, with earnestness, he prays with a sense of urgency. Notice, out of my distress, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. Now, the belly of Sheol is the place of the dead. People in Sheol are cut off from the very presence of the Lord. And this is how Jonah feels. He feels that now he's been 
completely cut off from the presence of the Lord, and he's feeling things he's never, ever felt before. He's been running from God, and now he's in the belly of this fish, and he is experiencing a desperation and an urgency. He feels absolutely alone. Friends, the greatest aloneness that we will ever experience is when we experience being cut off from God. It's the most lonely place a human being can be. And Jonah is saying, I have prayed out of the belly of Sheol. I cried. I have felt cut off from you. And he's praying with earnestness because he understands that it's not the sailors that have thrown him overboard, even though they did. It was God. It was God who prompted them to throw him overboard. And he understands now in verse 3, notice, for you, put a circle around you, cast me into the deep. Remember, it's not the sailors. He doesn't blame the sailors. Here in this place of urgency and earnestness, he is saying, help, help me. I am cut off from your presence, and I'm absolutely so alone. I can't stand it. And so he pleads with God. He cries out to God with all of his heart. And thirdly, this is a prayer of restitution. He prays with understanding. He understands that it's God who is disciplining him. You, notice, verse 3, as I've said, cast me into the deep. Verse 3, the last part, all your waves and your billows passed over me. He understands this is a prayer of, of earnestness. It is a prayer of urgency. And it is a prayer with understanding that he has experienced this terrible uh, reality of being cut off from God. Notice uh, what he says in verse 5. He said, the waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head and the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, we're going to see this in a... He has some hope here. Yet, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. So even as he prays with understanding, he also has an awareness that as he has come clean before God, that God's not done with him yet, and that God has something in store for him in the future if he will but trust God and stop running from God and put his confidence and his trust in the living God. He comes to this realization that God, instead of disliking him, cares for him very much. And he appointed. No, we, we, we've talked about this last week, verse 17 of chapter 1. The Lord appointed. See, that fish didn't just show up by accident. <laughs> that, that was the sovereignty of God. And remember, it was not only a sign of his sovereignty, but also a sign of his grace. And so Jonah at this point as he is praying, he understands that God has preserved his life. And he basically is saying to God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being on the run from you. I don't want to be cut off from your presence. 
The aloneness that I've been feeling is more than I can bear. And so he cries. He cries out to the Lord. It's not only a prayer of restitution, it is a prayer of restoration. He not only prays earnestly and earnestly with understanding, he also pours out his heart to God with a sense of expectation and hope. Notice, he says in verse 4, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight yet. Don't you love that little word, yet? Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. He repeats that very same thought in verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. This is a prayer to be restored. And while he is in the belly of that fish, and after acknowledging the fact that he's been the culprit behind all of this, he acknowledges his wrongdoing. You see, that's the first step of restoration. We have to acknowledge where we've gone off the rails. Many of us, instead of acknowledging where we go wrong, we rationalize. We, we argue with God. Oh, it wasn't really as, come on, God, it wasn't really as bad as, as that, is it? But what's restorative about Jonah's prayer is that he, he acknowledges he messed up. It's one of the hardest things for us as human beings to do is to acknowledge wrongdoing. We always justify ourselves. We always want to build a case that we are right. But Jonah now, in the belly of that fish, he understands that he has transgressed against God. He's gone directly against what God asked him to do. And so he acknowledges this openly before God. And then you'll notice that he turns to God. He says, yet will I turn toward your holy temple. Now the temple, of course, he's referring to is the temple in Jerusalem. Now he's a long way from that. But remember the temple symbolized what? The presence of the living God. And so Jonah says, I'm acknowledging my wrongdoing, and now I'm turning toward the holy temple. I'm a long way off, but I'm getting my eyes back on you. You see, it doesn't matter where we are or in what structure we are, we can always cry out to God. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful that you don't? God's presence is not confined to one location or to one building. But we can call out to him no matter what the circumstances. I've called out to him in the middle of, of being in the car and, and having a close call. All of us have gone through those experiences where we've been away from maybe where we enjoy the presence of Jesus. And man, hadn't this been wonderful today to lift our hearts and worship and praise and to rejoice? But let me tell you, God is only a prayer away. He, he always listens to our cry. And that's what Jonah is expressing. He says, I've acknowledged for I messed up, and now I have turned toward God. I've turned toward the holy temple. I can go to God no matter where I am. He always is available. And then you see in verse 8, he casts himself on the mercy of God. Notice he says, those who pay attention to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. 
Again, he's contrasting what those mariners and what those foreigners were turning to. They were turning to their false idols. Those false idols couldn't deliver. But now Jonah says, I am crying out to you. I cast myself on the mercy of the God who is always there. And he is the God who delivers. And he is the God who forgives. And he is the God that restores. No matter what your crisis point may be today, God's grace prompts us to call out to him. Don't try to handle your crisis point alone. So many of us try to do it that way. And we think many times that we can figure it out on our own. But crisis points come not so that we can figure them out, but so that we can depend on a God who loves us as no one else has ever loved us. It is a prayer of restitution. It is a prayer of restoration. And lastly, it is a prayer of rededication. Notice verse 9. But, but I will with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What a transformation has happened to Jonah in the belly of that great fish. He goes down into the depths of the Mediterranean, belligerent. I'm going to do things my way. I don't have to listen to the voice of God. I can do whatever I want to do. But once he gets inside the belly of the whale and he acknowledges his wrongdoing and he turns to God and he experiences the mercy of God what happens? Look at the text. It's powerful. Verse 9, he says, But with the voice of thanksgiving I will sacrifice to you. Jonah, this runaway servant of God, is now thanking God for God's discipline. He thanks God for the way in which he has dealt with him. And friends, we need to learn to thank God when he disciplines us. We need to thank him when he brings us through situations that are so beyond us that we have no answers. Thanksgiving is one of the outcomes of a forgiven heart and a forgiven spirit. Here's a man, a prophet of God no less, who has taken matters into his own hands, but he also has learned an awful lot about himself. And he's also learned an awful lot about how God deals with individuals who try to escape his presence. And he ends up, after experiencing this new hope, by saying to God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you've been with me through all this mess that I've created myself. There is a spirit of thanksgiving that permeates the chambers of that fish's stomach. 
And it's coming from this wayward prophet, a praise. And he not only praises God, but notice he makes a vow. He promises in the belly of that great fish to do what he said initially he never would do. What was the call that God gave him in chapter 1? To go to Nineveh, preach against the evil that is in that city. He's run away. Now, as he's experienced the grace of God, as he's come clean and acknowledged his wrongdoing and has turned to God, now he is just as determined to obey God as before he was determined to disobey him. You you see the transformation that happens when we turn our eyes upon Jesus? I love that song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jonah comes to that place in his life where he recognizes that God is in control. In fact, he is determined to follow it no matter what the cost. And when God sees that Jonah is dead serious about doing his will, notice verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish. Now put a circle around that. The very same phrasing over in chapter 1 and verse 17, the Lord appointed. The Lord appointed the fish. Now here in verse 10 of chapter 2, the Lord spoke to the fish and it projected Jonah out upon dry ground. Man, I wish I could have been there. Can you imagine kind of shaking off all that stuff and trying to, oh my. But he's on dry ground. And he's learned some lessons that we can never outrun God. Let me leave you with a couple of truths. Number one, a crisis point can become a turning point in our lives. Instead of it being something that pulls us away from God, it can pull us toward God. I love what David said in Psalm 119, verses 67 and 71. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Friends, there is nothing like learning the decrees of God. And when we do, that crisis point becomes a turning point. And moreover, that crisis point does not need to get the best of us. Those crises that we go through are the tools that God uses to align us to his purposes and his will. If you're experiencing a crisis point today, don't run from God. Run to him. Cry out, Lord, help me. There have been so many times in my life I haven't known how to pray except, Lord, help. You ever been that way? Help. Help. When we are at the very bottom of life and the pressures are upon us 
we need to cry out to God for help. And as we have seen, God delivers. But let me tell you, next week when we get into chapter 3, Jonah still hasn't gotten it. And we're going to talk about that, the Lord willing. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Pray that you would help us to be men and women who run to you, that we never run from you. And when we do, help us to acknowledge how much we need you. Turn us toward yourself, I pray. Fill us with the joy of your presence. And we will praise you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net. 